Content warning, this podcast contains mentions of racism, war, assassination, as well as some sexual content. Hello everybody, welcome back to Queer Sounds. My name is Hannah, pronouns they them. Episode 11, I don't know why I'm still counting, but you know, it's what you do. As always, I've got a lovely guest here in my studio. Welcome. Hi, I'm Ahmed Mohammed. Pronouns he, him. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for being here. Um, I looked at your link tree. Usually I give a short introduction as of what people do, uh, but there is so much I don't know where to start. <laughs> do yeah, you want no, me to... yeah, go go ahead and introduce yourself to our lovely audience. What do you do? Activism, uh, all types of artists that you support, I came across and... Yeah, yeah, it's um, overwhelming. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm Ahmed, as I said before. I was born in Somalia, um, grew up in the Netherlands, mainly came here as a refugee, as a kid, and yeah, grew up in the south of the Netherlands, Breda. And mainly, what I do at the moment, I worked as an interpreter for a long time, and I still kind of work as an interpreter. But my main focus for the past years have been doing um, work for my community, which is the. LGBTQI plus community, more specifically um, black and people of color, and even more specifically Somali LGBTQI plus uh, people. So how do you do that practically? I know I came across some of the things you organize, uh, for example, uh, Dance with Pride. Um, what, out of all things, what is the biggest part of your life when it comes to that? Um, I, well, it changes. At, yeah. It evolves, I guess. Um, Dance with Pride has been a very big part of my life. Uh, that's an initiative that I started with a friend of mine, Aura, and then afterwards there was three of us doing it uh, with Emma. And at the moment, what I what I'm mostly busy with is um, this research project that a friend of mine and I started, which is into the Somali queer presence and past. And yeah, that's taking up a lot of my time and and something kind of temporary that I'm really busy with at the moment is a compilation that a friend and I put together to raise money for Open Class LGBT, which is a uh, an initiative that is for and by undocumented LGBT people and um, LGBTQI plus um, asylum seekers. So that's something that's also taking up a lot of time at the moment with interviews, with uh, organizing an event, um, all these things. Um, so where do you where do you even get the energy? I mean, it sounds like you're busy with a whole lot of things. Um, yeah, and to be honest, I should be taking it easier for my mental well being. I'm seeing a therapist since January this this year because I had a sort of a mental breakdown, mm. and um, so yeah, these are the things that I, even though it's a lot, that I have the energy for doing. And as you can maybe guess. There's nothing that I get paid for, right. but it is for a community and it's important that this happens. And yeah, and I feel like I do take my self-care time, but yeah, most of the times I'm really busy with these things. Right. Yeah. So the, the, the greater good, the goal of it all is more important than actually providing a standard income. Yeah, it, it is. And of course, I'm in a um, relatively privileged position um, in the sense that where I'm based and... So yeah, so that's kind of something that I try to keep in mind as well. And now, at the moment as well, there's a lot of the Svartopit that's happening. So there's, yeah, yeah it's it's uh, it's nonstop, to be honest. 
Yeah, I get that. Um, out of all of the things that you do, have you achieved anything you're particularly proud of? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm quite proud of what we did um, as a collective, I, th I think, as Dancers Pride. I'm very proud of um, how a friend and I started organizing the first Somali LGBTQI plus gatherings ever in the Netherlands. I'm very proud of that. We've been, we already did like four or five gatherings. Uh, this compilation that just came out, I'm really proud of that. So yeah, I'm really, uh, that's that's also important, I think, to 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 not just look at things that are not, that, that are horrible in this in this world, but also to look at the achievements and creating community and how much that brings to others and to yourself. All right, and then uh, to take one example, those those gatherings, how did they start out? Did you just have the sense of you you missed something and took action or mm, yeah. just kind of fell into place? The, the, the thing is, it um, I'm very visible online, especially on Twitter, and I'm very vocal, and I am, vis when I say visible, I have my, picture of my face on there and I right. have uh, the fact that I'm Somali and queer very visible and therefore a lot of Somali queers from all over the world when I say queer to be uh, clear it's an umbrella term exactly yeah. um, they reach out to me from all over the world and I've yeah it's 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 overwhelming at times but at the same time I really feel like this is important so these gatherings was actually initiated by a friend of mine who I also met because he recognized me from online or from something and then he said let's let's just do something and and then we started because i am visible i shared it online if you're based in the netherlands and you identify as lgbtqia plus in somali reach out to me it's very um um low-key and and not like you don't have to be out to come so right. i was very clear on what it is and and then yeah and that's how we started just to create a space that wasn't there it sounds like it was um It sounds like you already had an audience on Twitter for that, uh, to, to put it that way. Yeah. And um, because of that, those gatherings were an instant success. Was that the case? Um, I, I don't, um, I mean, even if two people come together, it's a success. Right. Yeah. So, so the goal wasn't to have like this big thing. The goal was to just have a space where Somali queer people come, to, come together and just talk and drink shah, uh, which is Somali tea, and just, just, Yeah, know that you're not alone out there. Right. So it's not necessarily a, a support group or something. It's just a place where you can come together and socialize. Exactly. Oh, well, it, it is also automatically automatically turns into a support group because yeah, you share your your what you're going on, in, what's going on into your life yeah. in your life, and then you start supporting each other. You know. Yeah, but it's not um, from what I from what I get from it. It's not the um, inherent goal of it. Mm. Or, I mean, it automatically becomes one in the sense that it, there is room to share your experiences, but it's yeah. not. That wasn't the initial setup, was it? Uh, but, but what I mean is, if you come together, then you're automatically. If you're so marginalized, you're automatically supporting each other. Right. That's yeah. what I mean. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. In that sense, uh, it is. But it's, it's not a let's come together and like this person has a problem and yeah. No. Yeah. It's uh, when you come together, you've got the room to share your experiences and troubles and yeah, with exactly. uh, supporting each other. Exactly. Yeah. But it can yeah. also just. You know, talk about whatever's going on. Oh yeah, yeah. Talk, we talk about, about your day. Yeah, exactly. We can yeah. talk about everything. Yeah. And the 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 dance with pride. For how long has that been going on? Uh, since Pride twenty twenty sixteen, I think, or seventeen. Yeah, I'm drawing a blank. But yeah, but two or three years, kind of. Something. All right. Yeah. Was that an instant success as well? It was because uh, initially it was just gonna be a, 
kind of a quote unquote T-shirt action um, right. uh, to invade a festival, which is very which is touring Pride and doesn't connect Pride with um, with with like the electronic music where this music where it um, it comes from, you know, the um, from black queer and Latino queers, and we wanted to, my friend Aura and I wanted to invade the space and also be visible that Pride is happening. Right. And, uh, but then it turned to be something like that a lot of people connected with and yeah, and we've done so many events now and from parties to panel talks to DJ workshops, so many different things. Sounds cool. Yeah. Let's get some music up in this place. Uh, first track, uh, Childhood Memory, is a track by Fadam Khasim Hilal. Fadam Khasim Hilal. Track number one, um, uh, from a Somali artist. I'm just too afraid to butcher <laughs> the name again. Father Mohassim Hilole. Yes. All right. Check. Um, I tried to do some research on the artist. Uh, yeah. What I came across was one, uh, I think it was a YouTube video from 1987. Well, obviously it was updated later, but you know. Um, filmed in 1987. Let's see what I've got here. Uh, well, it's a Somali artist, which is an obvious link there. But otherwise, this is probably the most obscure artist that I've had in this podcast. Um, yeah, that's. She's also. She's not obscure in the sense that, like, almost every Somali person knows her. But she 
never does interviews. Right. So I also tried to like in the past uh, I did the Somali shows um, on on a radio station, and I wanted to find out more about her because I already know a lot about her music and the fact that she she comes from a family of musicians. Her sisters were one of the first um, one of the famous Somali women musicians her dad was a very famous um, singer and musician so she comes from her sisters are so it's just like the whole family is uh, embedded in music and she's been like growing up there was a lot of music in, in our house my father even used to manage a musician that wasn't his job but he just loved music and we had right um, drawers full of cassette tapes so music was my life growing up as well and she was one of the like so many artists I could have mentioned but I wanted I had to choose one and she was the one that stuck with me the most and uh, yeah she's such an amazing artist but she passed away recently uh, in 2011 quite suddenly but she also like in 18 in 19 no sorry not, in 1984 for example she um, created a band called, called uh, uh, what is the band called? Gaatoyo, which was also something that was very special for a woman in in the eighties to create the whole own band. She started singing when she was six. Wow! So she's just she's she's such a an amazing musician, singer, and uh, and this this track actually is from a, a what we call riot, which is kind of a play, um, a, a, a mix between a play and a musical, I would say. Right. Um, and There's a theatrical aspect to it. Exactly. So, the, so the, how it was in Somali was the popular music was the music that was made for those riot, and this one was made for a riot called Hedikte is Hujese, and uh, and she she sang on all the, uh, most of the music, and and so it's kind of like an an art thing that the music that was popularized was from these plays because people used to go right. to the place a lot. So um, it kind of sounds like the opposite of what's going on right now in uh, especially the Spotify age where, you know, there is a track that gets popular and based on that people go to live shows. But now because they were already popular through through those plays, um, it kind of opened the market for, for cassette tapes and yeah. other... Yeah, I mean, like the, the recordings of the music for the plays, that was like, that is what was sold in record shops, right. mostly. yeah. Is there a sense of nostalgia with this track, and if so, to what extent? Uh, yeah, there's definitely a sense of nostalgia because the 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 song is about a part in the play where it's actually towards the beginning when the um, the main character is celebrating her birthday. So right. that's why it's also happy birthday, and and mm. uh, and she's someone who's very. Um, um, "Quote unquote westernized," and that is made fun of in the in the play afterwards. But like at the beginning, and that's why it's partially in English as well. Right. But uh, the funny thing is, this song kind of became um, the birthday song. Like even right. though it was uh, made for this play, but it kind of became the song that people played on birthdays. And yeah, so also on our birthdays. But it's just like it's uh, yeah. So, so, th what. so this track in particular, it's just it's basically what what people sing on birthdays. Like instead of the happy birthday to you, you've got this track. Yeah, yeah. Oh and wow. Yeah, it's it's um, well, at least I grew up in Mogadishu uh, in the Hamar, which is in the, the capital. Yeah. And th th that's how it was. Like I was a kid, but at least that's my understanding of how things were. But like it's very limited, right? Because I was in a um, yeah, I was an an adult that went places, mm -hmm. but yeah, but but I. I remember this being like a track that I saw on TV often about so yeah. about when it comes to birthdays. 
Right. Um, so, how much of a how how old is this song? Not necessarily in this version, but you know, with a lot of these plays, you know, they've got a history to it. Is that the same with this song as well? Yeah. The, uh, I mean, the the plays like they started a long time ago. This song, uh, I, I know the play was made in '84, so I'm guessing the song was also around that time. Right. Um, and yeah, this is the studio version, but. What I saw on TV mostly was live versions because in Somalia, um, live music was how people enjoyed music. So, right. um, for example, when people went out, um, they went to hotels where live music was played. And there oh, was cool. these, there's these amazing videos still. I was watching one uh, of her as well, but then, of Father Mughasim, but then from uh, another performance. And then you see all these artists hyping each other up, um, just enjoying and it's such a yeah, it's it's yeah, very nostalgic for me. Yeah. So in, in, in that sense, uh live music did play a large part in it. Um but in the sense that rather than a DJ set we've got here going out partying just always had live act. Yeah, that that was at least again I was young, so that was my understanding of how things right. went. And when I hear from people that were older, that's like when they wanted to go out, they went to to hotels, and then the bar of the hotel had live music. Right. And I was a few years ago, I was in Ethiopia for work in Addis Ababa, and then I realized that that is still going on there as well. Like oh, there's cool. a lot of live music in the bars of hotels, and that's where people go most of the time. There's also yeah. clubs and bars, but to see that that still exists was in, in a different country was uh, interesting to experience. All right, but in Somalia itself, you uh, left the country being still too young to actually go out and enjoy yeah, the partying. Yeah, 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 unfortunately, yes. All right, yeah. um, why unfortunately, how would you? Yeah, it's, it's seeing all those, I, I also need to be careful to not, of an, uh, to be over uh, over romanticizing, over romanticizing because yeah. there were also a lot of uh, things going on there that weren't that great. Yeah, in the sense and that you also, left for a reason. Exactly, and there's also great things going on now that I don't want to uh, dismiss. But just seeing that just makes me also because for me it comes from a uh, perspective of loving music and how music was celebrated, how music was um, uh, the center of the culture. At least that's how it seemed to me. That's mm -hmm. something that. I feel like it's not the same as much in uh, back in Somalia, but again, I haven't been back since I left. Right. But it's there's much more conservatism now that wasn't uh, there. But I know that people are still um, doing their thing. People are like, yeah. But but it's just was it was the the yeah the main acceptance and the main like uh, thought was music was what made our culture so rich like these artists traveled all over the world to perform to china to everyone and then they were performing in somali so that was something yeah. that was that, that i also even don't see now as much because it was very much um the thing is also the the bands were some of them were government financed so the government also right. really uh, it, w it was a pride of the country in as a whole Yeah, and then whenever those artists would come back to Somalia from a world tour, it was kind of like a homecoming celebration. Um, I don't know. I never experienced it. Like some of the things that the fact that they used to travel um, to other countries, that's something that I've only found out in hindsight. Right. So finding these videos on YouTube of Hobolo uh, Doa, but it's one of the bands, they them performing in China or them performing in, uh, in, in Dubai or in Nigeria, or there was a lot of uh, pan-Africanism as well uh, right. back then. And uh, I mean, in Somalia, there still is, but like in Somalia. And, and to see that, it was just, uh, again, that sense of nostalgia of, oh, I wish I was older back then. Yeah.
Um, why did you never go back? If there is such a sense of nostalgia, is it just because of the bad things that are going on there? Um, well, it never... Just never got the no, chance no, to do no, it? Well, I, no, I never actually gave it a serious thought because I was just like living my life here. Right. And um, yeah, but I do now have the sense of I actually want to go and I will go hopefully in the near future. Um, but yeah, but it never really came to it, to be honest. What changed? Um, yeah, I started um, embracing and actually reclaiming my Somaliness. And that's what changed. And I, right. um, because when I came out um, and when I came out to my family, it wasn't very much accepted. And then I, even before I came out to them, I just felt um, that my culture and my Muslim background was very oppressive. So then I lost myself into whiteness. And then afterwards, when I realized, okay, there's a lot of racism, there's a lot of Islamophobia within the white, I'll say gay community, I wouldn't even in the queer community as well. Right. That's when I kind of um, start thinking and started reading into things or listening to audiobooks to be. Uh, and that's when I realized, okay, I need, I want to be able to be my whole full self. Right. Yeah. At all times. And that meant Somali, black, um, Muslim background, queer, all of these things. And the only uh, spaces or the people that I could really be that were, were people that, understand some of these intersections yeah people and with similar to some extent exactly and, yeah and and that's when i started celebrating eid again that's the celebration after ramadan mm -hmm. and but then in my own way like um i would love to organize a eid gathering for queer people and other people that for some reason cannot be with their family to come together so right. that's and 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 with that in mind and also started wearing hoskunti uh, or ma'awis how some people call it which is a um something comparable to sarong uh like uh like what people would say because it's radio i need to explain so like mm -hmm. a, a quote-unquote uh milk male skirt right and which is very common in somalia so i started wearing that and i felt uncomfortable doing it at the first but now i really feel a sense of of power when I wear it, right? Yeah, and so yeah, so so like reclaiming that culture and that 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 gave me this feeling of yeah, I want to actually so be there that, as well. So in that sense, you kind of became more unapologetic. Absolutely, um, yeah. yeah. So um, what came first, that the re-embracement of your your Somali culture or the um, or the activism in the sense of you know organizing those spaces, celebrating um, aid? Well, they kind of came. No, I think I think organizing became came first, right? Uh, but then, yeah, like as soon as you start talking to people, start seeing how things go and how, um, yeah, what how important certain spaces are. That's when I kind of like yeah started questioning my own experiences and seeing how that yeah how that so they kind of went together, but at the same time, yeah. Right, so I kind of put it this way, that uh, maybe subconsciously you already were aware, or at least hyper-aware of your, or your your Somali culture, and with that, um, without even realizing that that's what you were doing, already reclaiming that by 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 organizing the spaces. Mm, well, the spaces uh, weren't focused on Somali, so that wasn't really, that wasn't the focus at all. But oh, right. I, I think now that I'm thinking about it, I think it came with uh, me starting to play Somali music on radio and kind of playing out. That that kind of gave me that sense of feeling of like, hey, I want to reclaim this part. But then 
I realized when I was doing the radio shows, I was not um, including my queerness as much. But then I was like, no, I want to do that as well. I want to be very visible. I want to shout out yeah. the Somali queer community that I know online. So that's how it kind of started to, and that felt really good and f- very empowering. And that's how it kind of, yeah, continued. Right. So um, you were always either queer or Somali, and that's why you actively decided, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm both. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I was both, but I just like to yeah, then, to be both at the same time. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what actively did you change in your in your daily life? Like, um, was it, um, like, for example, the Somali traditional clothing, how often would you, would you wear that compared to? Uh, before I would, even not wear it at home most of the time, just sometimes. And then when I started wearing it out, it was a few years ago, I was felt uncomfortable wearing it. And and then it's just like f- since I think the past two years that I wear it all summer. Like in, not not every day, but like as much as possible. I wear it in right. the summer because it's it's a summer outfit. And, and yeah, and that's something that I really, uh, really feel very comfortable with now and there's a lot of mm. looks of course and people yeah. even commenting at times or but yeah I've, how I often does that happen um well i would say the positive comments from somali people that are very happy to see a somali that to them looks young person relatively yeah. young person wearing that and proudly that is like that outweighs way much than the looks from white people and people um yeah. Uh, like the the weird comments um so yes like one of the things that i remember is this uh, a somali uh, mother running to me in the in the grocery shop because she saw me wear it and then came with her kids and then she was like oh are you somali i said yes in somali of course yeah and uh, and then she said um, uh, to her kids look this is uh, um this is our tradition this is what men wear in Somalia and she was so proud to yeah. see someone wear it that yeah so it was it was th- that those are definitely outweigh the negative yeah. Uh, yeah that's heartwarming yeah yeah it was it is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right but um how do you cope with with negativity because there is still some do you just always remember all right these are the type of people I'm doing it for or it 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 um It depends. Like this period, Zwart Piet period, it's it's kind of right. impossible for me to cope with it because there's so much trauma from growing up here. Right. Um, um, so what I do, what how to cope with it is just ignore certain spaces. Uh, but when it comes to me wearing my Somali um, um, clothing, that I have less problem with because I really feel um, that that is not the fact that people react differently is not connected to a certain trauma or anything. Yeah. It's just, I just know that it's coming from a place of ignorance, from a place, and I want to be the one that, like growing up here, I created, um, I I have certain hardness that, that comes with growing up in a white society. Yeah. And so some things I just, I can, it like, Yeah, you can just yeah, how you, you, you know, creating uh, well, like a shield, kind of like yeah. yeah, you're creating a shield for myself. Growing up in a racist society gives yeah. you a thick skin. Exactly, gives you a thick skin. But I do it in a way that if someone one on one would like would say something to me that I don't, then I'll say something. But if yeah. it's someone giving me certain looks, I always decide if I want to interact and if I interact, how I want to interact. So it's always on my terms. 
Right. So if I want to, if, if I'm like, okay, today, not today, Satan, I, I don't want to respond. I don't do it. Yeah. But if I feel like, okay, I want to say something about it, then I say it. And, but not in a, my goal is not to convince anyone. Like, I don't give a fuck. My yeah. goal is to, f- to say what I'm feeling and to put that out. That's, that's, that's kind of how I cope with it. Right. And yeah. And, and it's, and also that also gives me a lot of confidence and then walking, feeling confident, just creates also different dynamics and I don't expect, I'm not definitely not saying that others who feel less comfortable, it's their fault. I'm saying that I wanna, because I feel that confidence, I wanna use that to be the one that people, if they, um, to make like people that look a different, a certain way that they could make me f- make feel, oh, I don't, I'm not getting out of my words. That's all right. Um, just, just, just to be, to just to use the fact that I feel comfortable and confident to do these things. Uh, to be an example in a way, I guess, um, right. and for others, for, for, so it's less harsh for someone else who also wants to wear hoskunti that it, they are not the first one that people yeah. see wearing it. So, would you call yourself a revolutionary in that aspect? Um, like no, I don't like those. Yeah, it feels weird right. to call yourself. A All right, yeah, that's <laughs> fair. I yeah. mean, if if people in fifty years will look back and will call you a revolutionary, that's onto them. But for now, you're just doing your own thing. And, yeah, and, yeah, and and it feels the thing is, I'm doing it because it feels good to me as well. There's yeah. always that. Like, um, I think a lot of people of color can um, agree. There's always this sense of. Um, you are the example of your whole society, your whole community kind of thing. And I try to let go of that because I'm not and I don't want to be. But at the same time, that kind of that thought kind of stays somewhere in the back of your mind. And that's something that is that is, uh, yeah, that I I cannot ignore and that I cannot say that that doesn't affect me as well. But I try to not be um, say that I'm. Uh, I want to be representing my community. Right. So um, uh, the way I get it is that society kind of wants to label you as a token black person, whereas you're n- actively pushing those, um, pushing that perspective away, saying you just do your own thing. You just exactly. yeah. You're just being yourself. Yeah. Um, just a little bit of background information. Uh, we briefly mentioned uh, Zwarte Piet earlier on. Um, it's for those outside of the Netherlands this horribly racist Dutch blackface tradition and uh, it can't believe that people are still doing that and that's all we're going to say about it because that's all this attention that it's worth. Um, with that, I think it's about time to get into the second track of the day. Um, Sadi Khali. Um, yeah. That's the... Uh Queer, what is it? Queer artist, uh, queer artist spotlight. Yeah, I told you, hoes, that I'd be back. I just cooked up another batch. Time to show these niggas how to rap. Seen them comments on the net. You bitches need to relax. I'ma stick to real facts and no whip that's real fast. Lick my dick. Niggas ain't spitting shit, but I'm with hits like Miss. I break them high men's. Say it and they do it like Simon. Usually I'm with the stars because I shine like a diamond. Only smoking Cali Kush gotta be louder. And sirens, uh, you know, I got a sweet tooth. I could get the cake. I'll be quick to leave you if you misbehave. If we go at my pace, you could get an A. He said, I'm his one wish. Had to get the cake. Get the cake. Get the cake. You know, he said, the cake. Get the cake. Get the cake. You know, he said, the cake. Get the cake. Get the Shoes, cufflinks, no, bitch, I've been bodying bags. 
foreigners. I am the coroner. I'm putting bodies in bags. Pockets too small for the wallet. I feed you the water. You niggas is probably on tab. Sounding these niggas is hardly an ass. Smoke them like chronic Narnia man. Hang with the goonies. They park in the van. Sadiq Ali, get the cake. Am I pronouncing that right? Yeah, Sadiq Ali. Yeah, yeah. all right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, an artist born in London, um, raised in the uh, raised in the US. Yeah, Minneapolis. Yeah. Minneapolis, Minnesota, out of all places you could go to in the US. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> like uh, the biggest Somali community is based is in Minneapolis. All oh, right, I wasn't aware that he also had Somali roots. At least maybe I did write it down in my notes, just kind of overlooked it. But yeah. uh, I did catch that he is, uh, he is from African Muslim descent. But yeah, no, the Somali thing, I, I, I missed that bit. Mm. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's also one of the people that I um, like connected with through Twitter. Right. So we connected on Twitter, and then I saw his music, and I was like, oh, amazing! A Somali person who's very outspoken and also makes amazing music. So that was that was yeah. I and then we we connect a lot. We chat a lot on on uh, on Twitter, and uh, oh, cool. yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, it was amazing. To, and now he's based in LA, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, you sent me a little bit of uh, an interview with him. Uh, that were in which they talked about you know moving to LA from Minnesota yeah. to to work on their career and um, you know to amplify the LA part of it all uh, other than a musician is also an actor right yeah he acts as well he's uh, he's he's great like um, also the, his videos are very well thought through like he yeah. talks about why he did what he did and he's he's a very creative person yeah it's a uh, very um, cinematographic yeah. uh, like very movie-like uh, music videos, very Batman-inspired, from what I got. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, at least the the video for this for this uh, for this particular song. Yeah. yeah. Not only the, I think for more things because he on Twitter, I think his um, his handle is is Sadiq Ali, I think, but his Twitter name is the Joker or something like that, and oh, it's yeah, not because of the movie, the recent movie, but just B- Batman reference. Yeah. Um, so the interviewer came across, uh, or the one you sent me, actually. Um, he says it was particularly inspired by Heath Ledger's Joker rather than yeah. Joaquin Phoenix's, which, you know, I can't blame him for that. It's, uh, that was the best Joker. It's a classic, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then uh, you decided to pick this track for this podcast to support a friend or because you also resonate with him as a person? Or- oh, I love his music. Like, I love, like I said, I was happy to see... It was a happy coincidence that he's Somali, right. but I really love his music and the fact that he's unapologetic queer and um, yeah, and, and makes great music. So those were the two the two reasons why I wanted to amplify him. And he, right. yeah, th- more people should hear about him. Yeah, well, here's your platform. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you said you connected with him through Twitter. How yeah. did you come across him in the first place? I don't know if he found me or if I found him, but I'm guessing he found me because, like I said, because I'm very visible on Twitter, a lot of people share my tweets, uh, Somali queer people. Right. And I think that's how then he likes something. I'm I'm someone who's very, um, as, as soon as I see someone who likes a tweet that's about queerness in Somali, then I look at their page and, and I'm like, oh yeah, who is this? And then he was very uh, open about that. Then I, then, then I'm, I have no problem reaching out. So then I reached out to him and said how great it was. And then um, there's this uh, Somali magazine that came out 
called 1992, I think. And he did the launch party as well for it in, in Minneapolis. He organized the uh, Safi, shout out to her. She's the one who uh, made this magazine. And then she asked him to organize the, the launch party in Minneapolis, which I thought was very powerful to have a, a queer, uh, outspoken Somali person do the, um, um, yeah, organize this launch party of a magazine that a lot of Somali people connected with. Right. So that was that was also something that I when I saw I was like yeah amazing that he's doing that. All right, but it does sound like from from different perspectives you and him are very similar. Like a, a queer person, Somali background, moved at an early age, um, and also the the activism part comes in that. Is that something that you talk about, or was it is it just with him? You mean specifically? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, we actually we actually talked about music. That's like right. most things we talked about. That was our um, main connection. And also the fact that, you know, he's out and he's open about it. So, yeah. yeah, we didn't even talk about like how that is for him or anything. It's just like, yeah, we talked about music. I guess it also just kind of shows my ignorance in that aspect. Like, oh, you're both Somali, you're both queer. So that must be all you talk about in the same way. Mm. White people don't talk about being white all the time. Exactly. Yeah. But it, it it is different though because you are if you're a minority then the experiences you have that is something that connects you so it's 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 uh, something to definitely talk about but we have also this group chat on Twitter of all Somali queers from all over the world right. and there yeah they talk about Kardashians they talk about like also things that yeah. are going on like someone if someone is really in a very bad place then we're there for for each other but also they talk about a lot of other things yeah. Yeah. And then out of um, all of his repertoire, why did you pick Get the Cake specifically? Um, yeah, there was actually another track that I wanted to um, that I wanted to pick, but that one is not on um, on Spotify. Uh, the track is called um, Yeah, I don't remember the, but, but I love the video of that. But but I wanted to. He just put out this EP, and I wanted to for people to be able to have access to it and also to listen to the EP. Right. And so that's why I chose, and, and I like I like most of the tracks, but I like the, f there's a line in Get the Cake um, that I like, which is, uh, he said, I'm his only one wish, so I had to get the cake and then get the, yeah, so that, so that. All right, part, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I like, like that line. Blowing out the birthday candles, <laughs> the one wish. Yeah, I yeah, get it. exactly. Okay, then uh, moving on to your, um, to your own queerness. Um, mm. Uh, the we had a little bit of a conversation about that earlier. You uh, said you were queer and also not not cis. Um, uh, uh, but the thing that stood out the most to me in your uh, in the way you describe yourself was um, what is it? Where is it called? I wrote it down somewhere. Oh yeah, relation anarchy. Yeah, relationship anarchy. Relationship yeah. anarchy. Yeah. All right. Explain. <laughs> well, that 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 is um, a term that I. I'm kind of flirting with in the sense that I don't have enough knowledge about it right. um, to actually claim it, to actually say that that is. But I, um, Dr. Kim Tolber, which I would definitely recommend checking out her work, is someone that I really um, resonate with the way she talks about polyamory and relationship anarchy. And yeah, and, and what it means to me is that there is no hierarchy within relationships. Like mm -hmm. uh, also not, not if you have a close, intimate relationship with someone and you have multiple someones that you have these intimate relationship with into relationships with that there is no hierarchy based on uh, penetrative sex or based on a, f a blood relative or 
anything. Right. That that the fact that you have ser- several, we all have ser- several people that we have relationships with. And I don't want to, um, I try to not, uh, I'm, I'm still trying, like it's quite new, relatively new to me, but it always made sense to me, the to non-hierarchical uh, relationships. That sounds a pretty healthy way to do things. Yeah, but it's difficult because we live in a society where it's forced upon you oh, yeah, to create true. hierarchy, to where sex is very fetishized. And that's also why I use the term uh, queer and not bisexual anymore when it comes to, like I use queer as a term for like the community I belong to. But yeah. now I also change on my on my Twitter. It said first it uh, used to say queer and then uh, bisexual and polyamorous. But now I just deleted bisexual because I don't want to... I just want to get away from the sex part, right? And uh, and and the reason for that is I want to. I'm working on de-entangling. Is that the word? Like I'm not this this entangling, like to uh, deta- unentangling. No, yeah, to detach something. Yeah, from uh, yeah, the part of the, yeah, to detach um, intimacy from penetrative sex. Right. So that I just don't want to. If you use bisexual or pansexual, or it all focuses on who are you attracted to. Sexually. So sexually, yeah. that's yeah. kind of like it's uh, implied. Yeah, it's implied, and and even though there are a lot of uh, people from commu- communi- our community that are sexual, and like those that all these people are ignored in this sense of dis- describing yourself in a, a sexual uh, mindset kind of thing. Right. Um, so how did it? W- when did you start experimenting or considering your your queerness altogether? Oof. Um, like um, yeah. Well, now we're just kind of we're just kind of treating it as a given because yeah. it is that you're that you're not straight. True, uh, true. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm just going to go out on a whim here and say that that's not always hasn't been that hasn't always been the case. No, it hasn't. It hasn't. It's uh, something as you can also I think there's also moments that I think back on. For example, my first. Um, Puppy love, or I don't know if that's uh, yeah. Right. Yeah, my first puppy love that was back in Somalia when I was, I think, nine. And now I know that was I was um, in love, kind of, the, uh, with 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 that boy. But yeah. back then I didn't realize that. Um, but yeah, but the first the the time when I really became very aware of uh, and kind of started accepting was in my um, um, I think um, mid twenties. And but then it was more like the term queer. I didn't know that term. So and then I came when I after I came out, I I felt like I have to I had to choose. And then I was like I'm gay now. Right. So that was like my. But then I realized that that wasn't the case. And then identified as bisexual. And then I realized that, that then I heard about pansexual. And I was like, oh wait. Then I want to identify that. And then I realized, oh that is mostly created just because people don't want to identify as bisexual, then I went back to bi. So it was kind of um, a mm-hmm. journey, but for me, it felt like after I came out, I felt um, like actually until I had my second coming out, when I realized, no, I don't want to identify as gay, mm-hmm. that's when I felt the most free to actually uh, listen to myself and to like the rest of it wasn't like me being unsure of what I am, who I want. So that yeah. for some people who are, especially people who are not queer, it might sound that way, like, oh, you really don't know what you want. But no, it was like me evolving and realizing, oh, there's just being questioning who I am, and but in a way of, of um, uh, evolving, yeah? not not in a way of um, like, oh my God, who am I kind of thing. Yeah. 
and that like led to who I am now and that's I feel like that's a lifelong journey I mean obviously um, there are hardly any representation of there's hardly any representation of queer black people in media how did you come to terms with it all like did you just go out and read stuff all about it was there people were there people in media that you resonated with and thought hey this is something I identify with uh, no there wasn't I just um, yeah reading but also just accepting kind of I just accepted yeah. that um, that that everyone who was queer or saw that was white so I kind of like yeah it it's it's really fucked up but that that's yeah I, yeah. I didn't know there was an alternative until I became more act- active on Twitter and which is quite recent actually right that's seeing more um, yeah visibility outside of the Netherlands mostly yeah is something that's been uh, very affirming and empowering so the terminology in and of itself is also something you came across recently or um now queer you mean for example no uh, well recent in the sense that uh, it was like maybe 10 years ago or something oh all right yeah um so i should say i'm 37 um so yeah so that's something that is fairly recent but um listening to or reading about um um queer queer theory and uh, like jose munoz um 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 his book and those things really helped me a lot to understand and to feel comfortable with who i am right um but then it the finding those those terms finding out about terminology was also just um it felt reaffirming yeah definitely definitely right yeah, yeah. yeah. but in with many things also when i re- um looked into a lot about um racism and uh, books like uh, um, Philomena Asset's book or Gloria Wecker uh, about everyday racism and and um, also Anusha Zume's, uh, um, um, what's the book called? Um, Hello, Vita Mensa. Uh, so, so those, there's a lot of books from the American perspective, which is very um, connected to how things go here as well. Right. But it's also great to find books about the Dutch perspective specifically. So I would definitely recommend people who Some, most of them are also in English. Who want to read up on that? Let's move on to our best life experience. A little bit of a warning: the sound quality isn't too fantastic, but with that, it is an actual live recording. So there's that. It's a track by Sado Ali Varsami.
Sounds like a whole lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So tell me about it. When did you see her live? Um, yeah. So I, I, um, I saw her live in. Um uh, I saw her live actually several times, and that was all I think late '90s, beginning of the 2000s. And like, there's one performance that really stuck with me. It was um, I think it was in Amersfoort. I'm not sure. And I wasn't gonna go, but I really loved her music, and I couldn't. F- but I couldn't find someone. That w- yeah, I, I didn't have driver license or anything right. that I could go with. But then last minute, I was able to go with some friends, and then um, and then also my brothers and sisters ended up going as well. So we, it was kind of um, also one of the few concerts where I went to with my. Uh, with my family which was very I don't know it felt very special right and yeah and I just love her as an artist uh, her music her activism her everything it's just yeah she's an amazing person all right so um, tell me a bit about the person herself yeah um, she's um, yeah she started in music also uh, with Royat, so for, with the plays right that's how she got into music at a very young age and uh, yeah and she she was an actor um a singer musician a songwriter she did so many things and um yeah and it's just she she's and she was also someone who was activist from a very young age for example um uh, the like somali somali culture is very um um oral based so poetry there's like one of the best poets in the world and like right. so poetry and and uh that that's very that's very big uh, that's very important part of somali culture uh, storytelling and and there was this uh poetry chain that was uh um i think it was in the 70s or 80s i'm not sure and she got involved with it just because she wanted to uh, use her privilege as someone who is from the clan of then president, right? Um, to 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 amplify people that were criticizing the president, and the fact that she's from that clan helped her. Um, she could do it, and then people wouldn't. Um, she couldn't get in trouble, quote unquote. But still, she was locked up, and she went to jail twice. One of the times, she was pregnant while she was in jail, Oof. and then the her kid, uh, she named Huria, which means freedom. Uh, no wait, um, I don't remember the, but I think it was her. Uh, so she named her kid Free. So and she she continued her activism throughout her life um, um, for women's rights, and uh, and then she became part of the parliament as well. And then right, she continued yeah. her activism by uh, holding those in power into account uh, accountable. And it's just like even if um, if it comes from her own people or from her own clan or from people from other sides she's always uh fighting for the for the um, for minorities and for those that that need a voice yeah you just kind of briefly uh mentioned that she was member of parliament that's actually what 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 yeah. got her assassinated in the end yeah yeah and it's uh it's really sad because yeah yeah like yeah. i said she was someone who 
was um, um, yeah, fighting for yeah, fighting the, for social justice. for social justice yeah. her, her whole life and yeah and then she was assassinated and then the assassination is still not um, people still don't know uh, well people still don't know who did it yeah there is like two people that that said that they did it and they're part of this uh, um, yeah group but others are not sure and so it's kind of we actually talked about all of this in a yeah the yeah, in, a, in a different podcast we'll, podcast we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll link to it yeah um but then before that all happened you went and saw life in around the late 90s uh early arts yeah um how was that show uh like from 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 a from an artist perspective yeah she's just on stage she's just um a powerhouse like she um her smile her movements her voice her the way she interacts with the crowd the way she interacts with her band it's just it's just on such a a high level that it's just i never seen that in um well um like going to janelle monet was something that kind of came close to it when i saw her right um like how she um also talks about her activism while performing I don't know if you've seen Janelle Monáe. Before. I have actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, that was the thing that came closer. The only thing that really was fucked up during Janelle Monáe's performance at Paradiso was there were people around us who were like being really sexist and racist. Oof. And um, and that really kind of ruined the show for me. And and the the fact that they came because they know people that like um uh run paradiso or something like that. they oh, have yeah. no idea who she is so so but, but that aspect wasn't there at the somali uh Ali's performance and it was just like just people coming together uh from all walks of life and just dancing with each other enjoying and that was that's just yeah. that's just such a memorable performance so it took place in Amersfoort, you mentioned. I think it was Amersfoort. I don't remember. Right, yeah. but what kind of yeah. venue was it? But this, because this doesn't, you you don't see this in in regular pop venues. No, no, it was it was how it works a lot. I don't know how it is now. I haven't been to a Somali performance for a while, but it just just rent out a a a, a hole, a big a big space a uh, space uh, where right. usually there are weddings and stuff. And that's where Somali um, performances usually happen, and then they rent everything right. there, and and then yeah. So it was kind of a yeah a whole of um, like it could also be a, a, a like a a place that um, the city council runs or something like that. Right. Yeah. But so I don't know could, what it was. It, yeah. it could just be like uh, it could be anything basically from yeah. from from a church to a sports indoor sports room. Yeah, to but not a church because of. Yeah, most Somalis are Muslim, so they oh, right, wouldn't yeah. do it in a church. But like other spaces, yeah, could work because they bring everything anyway. All right, but why would why is that necessary in the first place? Is that just the way Somali artists do that, or is that because regular pop yeah, venues no, don't offer them the room no, to do yeah, that? Exactly the, the latter. Like there is no, um, they don't see the value in that. And right. even though these concerts are sold out and it's like really busy, but uh, there is uh, because like our country like it's very segregated like a lot of uh, uh people that go to these concerts yeah. they don't even know about like maybe paradiso because that's a place that is kept very white and yeah. very much um coincidentally like, also a church um yeah but, <laughs> but i didn't even know that uh, until later but it's, the thing is it's uh it's very much um um cater it caters to a white audience yeah and that is something that yeah that that doesn't uh 
Yeah, th therefore people are go find that create their own spaces, right. which is great because it's uh, um, like I said because of Paradiso. When I went, I, I wish that I went to a Janelle Monet concert with mostly black people, with people that right, are yeah. queer and black, because otherwise, then the same shit happens that I that I. Uh, so what I'm yeah. kind of what I'm kind of trying to read between the lines here is that you were actually pretty much fine with Somali artists creating their own spaces rather than, for example, Paradiso trying to cater more to a less segregated audience. Um, I think both should happen. All right, like it's yeah. because these spaces, they are some of them are government funded and uh, or like city funded or I don't know, they get yeah. like some money from the city. Some in some cases, not all. And Somali people who live in Amsterdam also have the right to go to that space. So that choice has to be there. Right, but yeah. at the same time, people who are minorities, they need to have their own spaces where they can gather without others that are not part of that community. So yeah. I think both should happen. All right. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Mm. Um, speaking of racism within the music industry, mm -hmm. um, that's something you actually also uh, brought up uh, in our in our conversation earlier, um, because uh, you said you're a fan of house and techno music, um, but with that, there is a whole underlining um, underlying level of racism because of uh, you know the the genre's origins and now an extremely white white like basically when you try to imagine stereotypical house of techno dj you just see this generic looking white guy yeah whereas that's not at all in line with 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 its origins yeah yeah and i would even say the racism is not even uh underlined it's very visible and very um okay in the yeah. overground like recently something that happened with nina kravitz uh a white like it shows up every time something happens that actually is less of a big deal but then people show their racism people right. show how um, um, ignorant they are and how much they actually don't care about the uh, the people who made this music but they just want to uh, consume it and and whitewash it and yeah do with it whatever yeah. they want and when that is when the when racism is addressed that's something that is like always a problem because now we in the, in the electronic music scene the underground quote-unquote uh, something that is very normal uh, to talk about now is uh, gender balance so yeah. people are like oh you can't have a, a festival with only oh you can have a lineup with only men blah blah, blah. yeah and uh, so now it's it's less of a dumb thing it still happens a lot yeah but what you see is then it's only white women white cis women who are getting yeah. uh and that and that part there is no discussion about it like a few people say something like me and my friend Matisse and shout out to him and and a few others uh, from all over the world like um, um, Frankie from this woman there's a lot of people in Ash, Ash Lauren um, there's a lot of people doing this uh, from the UK from but but they are most of the time either silenced or they are um, seen as uh, um, dividing like all the things that happen when people talk about racism in other parts of society the same the same shit happens right. the only thing that makes it even worse is this music comes from black and latino uh, queer communities yeah so the it's 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 festival organizers it's bookers who are patting themselves on the back for meeting like a 50 50 men women quote yeah, not even that but not yeah. even that yeah. but still they, yeah. they pat themselves on the back for trying and the entire concept of trying to get it have men have women is binary as fuck yeah. so that <laughs> exactly. also adds to that yeah um but and the race side of it isn't yeah. addressed, and it's uh, and and also it 
also is partially the fault of um of, of course the promoters but like in general the crowd everyone in that yeah. also the artists themselves they should refuse certain gigs you know if you are at a position that you can do that you should yeah. you should use your platform to uh, bring about change or otherwise just be honest and say you don't care like that's that's the thing it's very unvoked it's very the thing yeah. to say that you care about diversity you care about inclusivity uh but But when it, when it comes down to it, it, they don't. They yeah. don't. And even something as simple as what's going on in the Netherlands now. Again, we touched on Swart Piet earlier. Yeah. Like people speaking out uh, against an artist using their platform. Even that is too much for a lot of people. And then when artists from abroad does, then they do it. But then at the same time, it's very, very um, um, on the surface. You know, if yeah, you're they're, white, they're and, being very careful about it. Yeah, if you're white and Dutch you need to come with more than just sharing one post, you know, because yeah. you are the one that is making this. Um, the reason why it's still happening is because of white people that are either silent or encouraged. Yeah. And, and that's something that is also, they also don't see the connection with um, what's happening in the music scene. It's all when it's all connected. All right. But uh, from the music uh, within itself, do you still attend these type of parties, even though they're just white DJs or um no I I don't in general I there, there are spaces that I also boycott like the school in in Amsterdam which right. is uh, a space that a lot of people go to but I uh, it's also a place that uh, typically caters to the generic white hipster student crowd yeah but also they 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 um uh, the thing is they just don't say anything but like people put a lot of uh, uh, um, things, project a lot of things to them, uh, upon them, like saying, oh, they're very queer friendly, they're very, they're not, you know? Right. And, and that's, that's uh, but they don't say anything, so then they kind of accept that, those those labels. And yeah, um, yeah but but they're basically upholding white supremacy and, and using, um, um, taking advantage of communities that they're not a part of. And just, um, it's, it's about, The money basically and th so th there are spaces that i don't go to and there are artists that i definitely don't want to support and so i go to places where like a, a, an artist playing that i want to support so the kind of i just go to things that i want to support that's it because there's so many right. I've, i've been into this scene in this scene for a while so there are so many friends of mine who are djs and 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 so on so i want to um, only support things that i want to go to things that i want to support When it comes to the origins of house and techno, I'm not entirely sure if the guy who basically coined this style was also gay, but he might. Oh, have uh, house, yeah, yeah, that's that's Frankie yeah. Knuckles. Frankie yeah. Knuckles, yeah, he is, he is, he was, uh, and who passed away um, a few years ago, uh, unfortunately. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I mean, uh, there is this amazing article that you can maybe put in the show notes by Luis Manuel Garcia um, right. about the alternate history of. Um, 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 I'll like turn culture of I don't know what it's called exactly, but yeah. I'll share it with you. There is an episode of um, 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 Code Switch that's called D "Give It Up for DJ Blackface." Oh shit! <laughs> yeah, which is about uh, the adaptation of white artists of black sounding names, and um, yeah, and in that episode there is a a Dutch uh, label owner, of course, who's defending it as the only one. All the others didn't comment, but like, yeah. as the only one he was defending. So that's also something that would be good to put in the show notes. So there's a lot that's been said about it. Yeah, the way I came across yeah. Frankie Knuckles was uh, actually through this little short video on Pitchfork, mm. just about the general history of House. Yeah, right. yeah, it's he's amazing. Like there's a lot of amazing interviews with him that that is definitely worth checking out. And, and then in this episode of Code Switch, um, Ron, Ron Morelli, not, not Ron Morelli. Um, 
yeah, I don't remember his name, but there's this black um, artist that is interviewed, and then uh, yeah, it's 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 also a really good episode to check out. Right. Um, speaking of episodes to check out, this one's almost coming to an end. It's about time for our last track of the day. Yes. The track's called Honeycomb, and we'll get back to the pronunci- pronunciation of the artist later. Possibly the shortest track we've ever uh, had on here, um, <laughs> clocking out one minute and 23 seconds. <laughs> um, so yeah, track's called Honeycomb uh, by a Somali artist, either called Sun or Sun. Yeah, that that I don't, I'm not sure actually, but um, if it's Sun, yeah, then you know what it means. Yeah, but yeah if it's the, sun, the glowing warp in the sky. <laughs> yeah, and if it's Sun, then that means poison in Somali. But I'll ask him uh, when I... The next time we talk, but that's also an artist that I met through Twitter. Yeah, and uh, he's a very. I sent you some information about her. Like pronouns yeah. are her, yeah, him and her. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, so uh, this is a person who um, lives in Canada right now and makes one of these lovely, ambient-sounding tracks. Um, uh, well, this is actually the only one I know. I wasn't aware yeah. um, of 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 this person even existing until this point uh, but how did you came across her yeah on on uh, on, on, on twitter on as well twitter, yeah, yeah. yeah just uh, coincidentally um yeah someone liked something that uh, that she shared i think and that's and then started chatting and then she told me about that she because she also paints she plays the piano she does so much right and then she's uh, she sent me her soundcloud and i was listening there's a lot of tracks on the soundcloud but uh he lost all of them except for this one like yeah couldn't send me uh, the tracks, um, but also, yeah, yeah, she makes different styles as well. She's very talented, and yeah, I love. Her. When did you came across this? Just quite recently. Oh yeah, it was my yeah recent discovery, I guess, because yeah. it was I think uh, maybe six months ago. Like we, All right. we, we've been chatting a bit longer, but I only found out that that uh, she makes music just uh, fairly recent, like uh, three right. months ago, maybe. Um, so that's how I how it's very recent, and I listened to them, and I was like, oh my god! So to yeah. the music, and I was like, oh my god, this is so amazing. All right, so you uh, briefly mentioned you uh, went to a Janelle Monae song, but all of the tracks here, you've got uh, these kind of well, pretty much unknown artists with uh, Somali descent. Is that an active decision, or is this actually representative of your general music taste? Um, it is. It is both, I think, um, because my music taste is even 
bigger than this. Like we yeah. mentioned housing techno, there's no housing techno in this uh, yeah, no, segment. No. Uh, but yeah, um, it is general my music taste, but I also wanted to amplify the yeah, music of Somali artists. And so it's kind of like, the, these were the first that came to mind, but at the right. same, and then I said, oh, well, they're all Somali. I was like, oh, that's even better. Because there was some uh, one, uh, I also wanted to uh, actually share more Somali artists that are identify as queer, but some of them are not out, and I didn't want to out anyone, of course. That makes so sense. then I chose instead um, a song by someone who is Somali, and like two of them are queer, but the other two are just like amazing musicians. Right. That yeah, that that, that I wanted to amplify. Um, with this episode almost coming to an end, I always ask all of my guests the same question: being, what does music mean to you in your daily life? Yeah, it's. Uh, I knew you were going to ask this, but still, I have no answer because it's just like it's such an important yeah. part of my life that I cannot really pinpoint what it means to me. Let me let let's let's narrow it down then a bit. What does music mean to your queerness? Um, at this moment, a lot. Like I almost all I connect with an artist way more when they're queer and I want to support them and I want to like I was saying earlier about like going to things that I support this is also part of it like there's so many artists that are doing amazing things so if I can support a, a queer artist then I would rather do that and they just like just hearing like I was saying the song um, um, Sadiq Ali's song just hearing that line of him saying he um, he said he had one wish and I had to get the cake like just clearly saying that he's attracted to men that yeah. part just makes me feel so good makes me feel like oh this is important i want to and 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 that part is way more important to me at this moment in my life than just um listening to a song because i like it because mm-hmm. there's so many songs that i can like i like it but yeah. yeah but do you also listen to like other mainstream artists such as Chinomane or is this yeah, she yeah, more I love of an... yeah 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 all yeah, right Chinomane. but are there other examples um um um, 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 what's his name? Um, he just released an album. I also saw him. Uh, he's black and queer. And Tyler very, the Creator? Uh, no, no, not that. Well, I love uh, um, the, his. Uh, I can't. My, I'm drawing a blank. But I. Um, right. No, it's it's not Tyler the Creator. No. Um, yeah, no. I guess that just about wraps it up for today's episode. Um, <laughs> If you want to find us, check us out on uh, Queer Sounds Pod on Twitter and Facebook, uh, queersoundspod at gmail.com, uh, or just fill out our contact form on queersounds.com. Um, yeah. I want to thank Ahmed for coming by, and I want to thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs>